hitting record now or should I start hitting record? I think you should start hitting record now. Or All maybe right. start hitting it now. Are or you, maybe are you now. Sure? Should I do it now? No, I think I you should do it now. I don't know if you're ready for me now. to start record it now. Now. Hey, everybody, this is the Black and Animated Podcast. Wait, are we recording right now? <laughs> See, this is this is how we roll. It's very freeform, very goofy. <laughs> Everybody, very casual. Yeah, very casual. Very casual. Yeah. It's season four. Four. Yes. Yes, it is season four. <laughs> Does that mean we've been doing this for four years? Yeah, we have been doing this for four years, and um, it feels too long yet so short. <laughs> oh man. Well, at least. Well, in, in that in that time, we've uh, had some really great people on, but there's even greater people here today. Wait, what? <gasps> there's people? Who's here? There's, wait, there's someone on? <laughs> there are other people speaking? Oh my God, who are they? <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh yeah, there's. it seems like we have two guests on the podcast this episode. You know what? Why don't we start uh, with Dave and uh, just... Please introduce yourselves and uh, tell us, what do you do? Sure. Uh, my name is David Stewart. I am CEO of Polarity, uh, which uh, is a holding company that holds uh, both uh, Lionforge uh, Animation, uh, which we're probably here, we're here to most talk about, but we also have uh, two comic book publishing companies, uh, uh, Oni Lionforge, as well as uh, Magnetic Press. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. Oh, snap. And he took everything that I wanted to say. This is Paul <laughs> Reed. I'm the, I'm the president and co-founder of Line Forge Animation. And uh, yeah, we do comics, cartoons, and fun stuff. Now, Lion Forge, that sounds familiar. That sounds like a pretty cool studio that might have done some pretty cool things on a pretty cool short film that won a pretty cool little award that I don't know if you heard of it. I guess it's the um, Oscars. What are you talking about? What, what, that, what's an Oscar? What do you mean? <laughs> you know that really obscure thing. Uh, wait, are you talking about a company from St. Louis here? You know. <laughs> <laughs> Also, I want to say Lion Forge is such an awesome name. <laughs> I love that. Just hearing the name Lion Forge, I'm just like, whoa, that sounds important. <laughs> you know, after 2020, uh, I think it forged a lot of lions. So uh, <laughs> we've earned it by now. So yes, yes. <laughs> see i like that that was that was a really good dad joke to start the day so now i'm all perked up i'm ready to go i'm just getting started oh no it's gonna keep going yes so So, lion forge specializes in animation comics and dad jokes good got it all right (laughs) so yes basically uh listeners listening in um we we have the the leads the heads of uh line forge animation who um many of you know uh helped co-produce the oscar winning animated short hair love and i think there's a tv show going on maybe <gasps> surprise yes. Yes. Right. and you know like hair love is is super exciting young love is super exciting but we oftentimes forget that we're in a bubble and no one gets to see what we're working on every day. So we're like, oh yeah, what, why aren't you mentioning everything else? So <laughs> uh, a lot of yeah. other cool stuff that everyone will see soon. Oh, they're all secret right now. Dang. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's, uh, I feel like it'd be good to um, kind of just start uh, talking about like how uh, Lion Forge came to be and like, your your guys's journey um into animation because uh i mean from my understanding uh lion forge started out as uh comic publishing and is now or has uh branched to having a, a animation section um like how how did lion forge begin oh well Actually, that goes back. Uh, so Lion Forge goes back ten years, but really, our our relationship 
uh, together goes back to 2002 for real. <laughs> and, oh, snap. Uh, yeah, so we uh, we actually knew each other and uh, worked together. I was coming out of college and uh, moving back to St. Louis from Washington, D.C., and uh, got introduced to uh, Carl and uh, his brother and uh, a couple other guys he was working with at the time. And uh, we started out, uh, you know, just doing uh, some production work and, and website design and some other things. Uh, together as a group, you know, working more on the advertising side of things. And so we did that for a few years together. And um, in that, you know, of course, uh, we were doing a little bit of animation with uh, some of the design work and other stuff. And uh, I ended up getting a job opportunity out in LA uh, to work in production. And uh, Carl came soon afterwards out to LA and worked in the animation industry for about five years. So, Mm. uh, So our paths separated, you know, and then we ended up uh, coming back to St. Louis. And so Carl was coming back, uh, you know, just had, just had his, uh, first, first kid and one moved back to St. Louis. I was there and, you know, we kind of re- reconvened and kind of got the band back together again of, of sorts, and, you know, decided to, you know, start this thing called Lion Forge. Uh, we were very, you know, had a you know deep, you know, kind of comic history. Carl had worked worked in comics before. You know, I was kind of you know newly invigorized uh, by what was going on in comics, especially with you know the advent of digital at the time. Mm-hmm. And so you have to remember back ten years ago, you know, we were just getting iPads, right? <laughs> now also, oh man, that's so crazy. Ago, like, you need to think about that. Shocking. Yeah. Also, ten years ago, it was shocking to see any you know content. You know, that was a little bit different. Exactly. And so, you know, uh, so content at the time, you know, you're getting you're getting access to these full libraries and stuff. And so, you know, I was getting, you know, uh, engaged in the comics industry and, and the, you know, all the content that was there, you know, because we we're able to kind of start it, you know, uh, you had a starting place, you know, versus, you know, when you go into a comic book store, you kind of have to start where they are. Right. Because uh, you don't have you don't have so much back issue space. You know, one right. Day. Exactly. And so we um, we got together and kind of looked at the landscape there and, you know, and noticed, you know, there's not a lot of not a lot of diverse voices, you know, that are being you know shown in these comics. There are, there are a lot of diverse, uh, diverse creators out there, but not a lot of their work. And, you know, we're not seeing a lot of it, you know, kind of manifest itself, you know, in the industry. And so mm-hmm. uh, we uh, thought there was a better way, you know, and I think one. One other note too, uh, uh, during that time, I remember uh, there was a uh, version of Static Shock that came out uh, probably about about the year that we 20, yeah 2011 2012 2011 2012 and you know this version was very interesting because you talk about a comic book that you know was what had a lot of fanfare back in the early 90s because it was you know created by black creators as a black comic book company you know and i remember all the excitement about it and everything and i remember you know collecting those first few issues of that comic and you know here it is coming back you know in 2011 and you know we look at it we're like this looks a little off what's going on you kind of look at you know who created it (laughs) yeah who worked on it and it wasn't any african-americans working on it Mm -hmm. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it explains a lot, right? And yeah. so, you know, we wanted to make sure that that didn't happen anymore, you know? So, I mean, because we know how it feels, you know, when, you know, uh, you know African-Americans are, are portrayed a certain way by, by another culture, you know, but we also don't want that to happen to, you know, persons of Hispanic background, uh, Asian background, LGBTQ background, you know, we want to make sure that we're having that authenticity there. And so, you know, mm-hmm. we kind of vowed to, you know, really great comics that, um, you know, not only kind of push the boundaries of uh, what could be stories that could be told in the medium, but also making sure that we had appropriate representation uh, in the comics, but also behind the scenes in the comics for that authentic- authenticity. And so that was kind of the tense that we built Lion Forge on. So, uh, so we built that company, and along the way, we acquired a company called Magnetic Press uh, back in 2016. Um, and then most recently, about a, a now it's been a year and a half ago, we acquired and, and merged uh, together with uh, Oni Press. And so now, now the company is called Oni Lion Forge. And we also have our Magnetic Press 
uh, as well as a, as a separate standalone company. Um, you so know, it's not a Oni Line Forge magnetic uh, <laughs> press. Yeah. Magnetic Oni Line Forge. Yeah, there you go. so uh, a couple years ago uh we uh you know kind of uh found an opportunity to uh you know really wanting to you know dig beyond the medium in terms of what our creativity you know and trying to take some of these things that we you know kind of conceived in comics and, and saw some greater opportunities in other mediums and we're like you know what uh we have the ability background of course with carl's uh, background experience and, you know, kind of building uh, our international pipelines uh, for us from a creative standpoint, you know, we're able to kind of build this uh, company, uh, Lime Forge Animation. And again, with, you know, building upon the same tenets of, you know, wanting to really push the boundaries of the medium. We wanted to, you know, go into different genres, but we also wanted representation, which is very much kind of lacking, uh, especially um, in the in the content arena. Uh, when it comes to animation and, you know, I kind of, you know, quickly, kind of quickly found out kind of why is because, you know, we, uh, when we first started the company, we went to uh, one of the um, uh, big conferences and, you know, where they, you know, buy and sell content and, you know, we're just starting out and we're like, okay, you know, let's check out the landscape here, see, see what we're in mm-hmm. for, see, you know, what, what we could do, what, what, what are, what are people putting out? And, um, you know, we're in a big room, you know, uh, and remember Netflix was presenting and I'm looking around this room. I think it was all Amazon the- at the time, actually. It was Amazon? Okay. Yeah, it was it was Amazon. Amazon. yeah so, it was, you know, we had a few hundred people in the room, you know, just waiting to hear, hear all this information. So I was like, all right, so this is kind of representative of the conference here. You look around, I'm like, Carl, we're the only black people in this room. And, mm-hmm. he's like, mm-hmm. and he said, no there way. I'm like, find one, please find another one, please. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so, nowadays, nowadays, again, it feels like in 2011, we were looking around, we we're like, okay, uh, a black company that has a, a monthly, you know, some monthly titles on the shelves that retailers are supporting and, you know, has adequate distribution. It was like, you know, searching for, you know, the, the, how to go to the end of the rainbow and mm-hmm. at the same time when we first this is around 2016 2017 we were just doing our, our research for the animation side and we we're going to these markets and we're like man it's very few and far between and just like now you know i think uh timing and the stars aligned and so now you're seeing you know everyone getting on board and understanding why it's so important so you're seeing great execs being hired on and Mm. and the landscape changing and hopefully it continues to do so exactly so yeah so you know we uh you know we found this you know first project it's uh came came our way through uh jimmy thomas who uh works in development for us and uh it was a project that you know uh, needed some production help and uh needed some producing and so we you know, came on board and that uh, little project was hair love and you know we looked when we first looked at it it was it fit all the things that we wanted to do especially on something that was uh going to be representative of a first piece you know for us you know it had yeah. uh that authenticity of representation it had uh, a, a diverse uh cast you know that uh you know is underrepresented and you know also it uh i think the great part of it was not only you know was it a piece that uh african-americans could be proud of and see themselves in the medium but also it socialized an aspect of our culture to others you know and kind of brought everyone together in in a way too you know which i think was very powerful and you know in that you know we you know that's where we kind of connected with our uh, Buddy Ever Downing, who we became friends with, as well as Bruce Smith, and uh, who were also, you know, directing, you know, on, on that project. You know, we started kind of finding our way around. You know, where 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 are the African Americans in this industry? <laughs> you know, right. and how- they were all on Halo. <laughs> <laughs> That's one thing people don't realize too. That they literally all on Hair Love and. Uh, you know, we, you know, we're trying to now, you know, uh, kind of really work together 
uh, more and trying to bring each other up more and trying to, you know, see how we can get more representation in the content. Because, I mean, we have to, you know, be at the table more more often, you know. Uh, we can't have, you know, more movies like Soul come out that we're not, you know, really at the table driving, you know what I mean? Right. And so we, we need to have more of what, you know, Bruce did with the Proud Family, you know, more driven creatively, uh, projects driven creatively uh, by us, projects that we own, you know, right. in the marketplace. And so that's what we're striving to do. Right, because that, that 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 is uh like it it's just like funny mentioning that because that is like a kind of a topic that you know we always touch upon in the podcast when we speak to other people coming on or just stuff that we you know feel personally like working in industry as well that like you know it's one thing to be brought you know to brought to the t- like to come in the room and to like be put at the table but like if you're not allowed to like speak or like say anything then it's like what's the point like you bring me in but I can't do anything i can't have any freedoms and like what you guys are doing is allowing um you know black people to have that creative freedom like by kind of i know the phrase is like cheesy but you literally are being that change that you want to see by by creating this studio because i can't honestly think of any other black owned animation production companies in the u.s like at all i know that um animation is kind of like booming over in Africa a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, and in certain countries, I think like in Nigeria and yep. I think in, I think a little bit in Ghana, but I think Nigeria has like the biggest right now, but you know, over here, I have no idea. There's some folks like B art in Japan and you have uh, Guerza in Nigeria and uh, the line in the UK and so there's some folks doing a lot of things, but you would think that uh, the U.S. would be at the forefront and hopefully through us, they will be. I think uh, you, you touched on exactly our calling is to amplify these voices and these stories in a way that's super authentic and represents my experience as a black person, you know, someone else's experience as a Latino, but in a way that is, uh, you know, unfiltered and, you know, for far too long, we've had to break convention and say, oh, this couldn't travel internationally because there's too many black people in it. Or, oh, this won't be a box office hit, but then Black Panther. Right. And, and there's still those uh, hoops to you know, jump through. So we actually see it as like an, uh, a preemptive advantage or uh, a benefit that we have that these voices and these perspectives have not been fully utilized. So you know, and we, we're we're betting big on it. Mm-hmm. Brianna, you brought up an interesting point uh, earlier in that, you know, it, it's important to uh, not only showcase these voices, but enable them to be able to uh, speak and, and speak without a lot of filters, you know, and, you know, that's the other kind of issue that, you know, we're trying to uh, get past, uh, you know, in, in doing what we do. Uh, in that, you know, it's one thing <clears throat> to, you know, to have a project, but, you know, if it's produced and it's under the thumb of uh, a white executive, for example, you know, they're going to look at the materials a certain way. They're going to look through a, a material, through it, look at the materials, not necessarily coming from what their perception is of, you know, particular of uh, either black culture or whatever they're uh, uh, looking at. And they're going to have notes and want to make changes to a certain way that may may not be appropriate, you know, and, and may right. not really truly really be representative, but really go back to those stereotypes of, you know, how people view a particular culture, you know? And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I think we're really trying to get beyond that and, and have to, and moving projects forward without, you know, having to kind of ask permission. You know, um, I think one of the, uh, you know, hope, hopefully some of the change that has happened uh, in the marketplace over the last, you know, six months and, you know, getting executives, uh, certain executives in, in better positions, uh, I think will help. Uh, hopefully they've been enabled with the power to make those creative decisions, but we definitely have have to get past that as well to make sure that we're truly getting out uh, the content that's truly representative of who we are, you know, mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And in terms of kind of like producing and making that content, do, so do you have um 
like I, bleh, words <laughs> sorry um so do you guys kind of operate sort of how like uh other boutique studios do uh like like tip mouse or uh, wild canary and whatnot where a network will come to you and be like i have an idea and this is what it is or an individual will be like i have an idea and you will produce it and do it for a network like how does that work if, yeah. if you can speak on that no 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 <laughs> absolutely so we do we operate in a lot of ways uh being storytellers ourselves, there's a small amount of our content that comes curated from either us or somebody else in the com company or anyone that works for us. You know, we try to, you know, why have all the talent in the world and not bring out content from them? So that's one area. Secondly, you know, uh, we have we're constantly in contact with creators such as like such as Matthew, you know, uh, Hair Love was, was already out as a book before we got involved. So, you know, when you see a great idea uh, and, you know, get the opportunity to be a part of it, we, we, uh, we work in that way as well. And then additionally, you know, through those studio partnerships and, and uh, co-productions and, you know, even, even down to in a part of building our studio, I think this year what we're doing is, opening up our studio for service work this year. So even on the services side, hopefully we can get more and more uh, of this uh, curated voice onto projects, whether it's, you know, featuring a black character or not in the content. Mm. Like I always say, you know, we see, uh, we see diversity different <laughs> than a lot of people. <laughs> we see it as, you know, you have, creators in the background that their perspective has not been seen or or has not been seen very often and now apply that to whatever in many cases it'll be content that's unique to them other cases it'll be like what if friends for instance where there's not a black person to be seen on the front on the screen <laughs> but what if in the uh, writer's room it was all black what would that feel like mm it would feel completely different. And that's diversity too. So, uh, you know. Living single question. There you go. <laughs> but even think about it on the front side, you know, <laughs> you know, I think, I think, I think it's a different perspective, like of how, how things, you know, it would totally change the feel of a, of a, of a piece of content. And so in building a production studio, uh, I think, there's an opportunity to get, you know, creators and animators and writers and storyboard artists that have a different perspective onto projects uh, that may need that extra perspective and say, hey, what's what can we add different in 2021 that hasn't been seen after, you know, over 100 years of cinema? Mm. Right. Yeah, because there's there's so many um, young black artists and production editorial everybody in the whole pipeline that are like just trying to get into the animation industry and you know people think even my even myself and way you know like way you're from the east coast i'm from the midwest and in chicago and it's like you know you gotta go to la for it but you guys are on the east coast so does does that kind of come with any challenges of just being like over on the opposite side i know that the east coast like has its own animation industry but like how do you guys like navigate that when everybody's like i want to go to hollywood <laughs> wait are you guys on the east coast you guys are no, on the no, we're, central we're, right we're, you're we're, in we're, missouri so yeah i was actually gonna ask that question too like that the the just uh working in the midwest and how that um like the differences or like i've been in california like too long i'm sorry <laughs> <laughs> i forget so you're <laughs> in not california how's that <laughs> <laughs> No, but uh, I just pay attention to Illinois. Nothing else. I'm sorry. <laughs> well, I mean, especially since well, there is like a lot of the industry is West Coast, Illinois. East Coast. Being in the Midwest, like I mean, of course, I feel like there's a lot of the industry in Chicago too. But like being in uh, St. Louis, like has that been like uh, like the challenges and the um, just 
it has that uh, added on to, you know, the benefits too of like bringing in that uh, experience of not having to be uh, in a, like uh, uh, the East Coast, West Coast. <laughs> of the Don't make fun of me, Waymus. <laughs> <laughs> I'll fight you. Well, I, I'll tell you one thing, and I, and I and I tell people in LA all the time because when they when they see us coming and they're like, "Oh, well, where are you guys?" We're like, "We're in St. Louis," and they kind of like get this look. Like, you know, the, the thing is, um, you know, yes, there are there are some challenges being being in St. Louis in terms of you know talent base, being able to attract talent to St. Louis. But I can tell you, you know, asking about the animation industry, and you know, you look at you know kind of the. Um, uh, what they're getting paid and the cost of living and everything that's going on in LA with uh, housing prices and stuff. And you look at, you know, potentially coming to St. Louis, it starts looking pretty good now, you know, lately. Yeah. Um, and, uh, I am only out here because that's where work is. <laughs> I would not be in LA. If well, that's, it that's, the, that's the common story. That's the common story. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's too expensive and, out here. Exactly. It is. And, and I'll tell you, and so here's here's the other benefit too. And and think about this is that, you know, and when I, especially when I was out, you know, working uh, in production in LA, you know, another lifetime ago, the the thing is, is that you know you really get into this thought bubble, uh, especially when you're out there, you know, and you know ideas kind of seem to circulate and and kind of work, kind of um, uh, seem to kind of bounce around uh in this kind of ecosystem right and you kind of get uh, a lot of times two of the same kind of movie right. like just recently we had two yeti movies you know what i mean we had two, yeah. two of these kind of movies right and yeah. so um you know when you're in the midwest you know you kind of have a, a good sense of what plays well to uh the rest of the country because you know you you know we're kind of um a lot of way uh armchair quarterbacks here you know when people are you know pulling out a new movie and everything else we're like ah, that's gonna work that's not gonna work you know it's not gonna play well you know and um you know lo and behold you know most of the time you know people you know put out this release or whatever and you know it's typically what we what we feel it is because again we kind of have the pulse of uh out of at least out of st louis kind of what what the rest of america feels like and that's really where you have to kind of be at if you're gonna you know make uh really popular content you know and so um and kind of really you know try to move the needle so i would say from a creative standpoint uh, i think we're in a very good spot being here and also too i think you know um uh you know one of the uh you know with covid and everything i think uh everyone's kind of rethinking what it is to uh, what the nature of work is and, and distance working versus uh, actually having to be in, in a particular place. So, uh, Brandon, we talk about, you know, having to be in L.A. to get work. You know, I think that paradigm is going to shift, you know, in the, in the next in the coming years. You know, and um, uh, I think that, you know, business is going to be more and more open to you being wherever, you know, as long as you're getting getting the stuff done. You know, at the end of the day, people have gotten socialized to Zoom and other uh, forms of <clears throat> communication and connectivity uh, nowadays. I mean, even the way that we operate, I mean, we operate internationally. I mean, we have teams in India, we have teams uh, in South Korea, we have teams down in uh, South America, and we're all communicating, you know, and uh, efficient, you know, working together, you know? Um, so I think that that new work paradigm is going ch to change and shift and Hopefully we can get you out of there so you can ha have at least uh, <laughs> a decent sized apartment for, you know, oh, <laughs> you make versus sick being of out these, there. Think of all these one bedrooms for 1700 and I'm like, please stop. You know, you're getting a, a palatial estate for 1700 in St. Louis. Oh, it's, no. It's not that good, I'm right? cry. But it's, uh, it's much better. You know, and, and to add on to what Dave was saying about uh, being here, you know, we really just wanted to make our life hard. <laughs> so, <laughs> you, can't, you, can't, you shouldn't just go the easy route. So we're like, you know, <laughs> no. But there's a lot of benefits outside of like, it even extends to past just media. So, you know, we saw, you know, the election in 2016 coming. It wasn't a surprise. You know, mm -hmm. the, the events of D.C. wasn't a surprise. It was, it, mm -hmm. you know, we, we. Yeah. 
Ferguson is here in St. Louis, you know, uh, Chicago is right down the street. Like we said, uh, you know, the rest of the world is right at our fingertips and, you know, and they live, uh, completely different, you know? And so hopefully, uh, hopefully we're able to attract folks to come down and say, Hey, we have great schools and, you know, you can afford to buy a house picture that. <laughs> well, I mean, wow! Like, house. My I'm, I'm liking this pitch. Whoa! This is I. <laughs> you mean I can actually get a house like a normal person? Exactly. Whoa! So, yeah, that's that's the pitch. <laughs> All right, come to line, Ford. You can get a house. Um, <laughs> you. <laughs> Red is it crazy? <laughs> you get all four seasons. And the crazy part is, you know, you live in LA all these years and you're like, wait a second, I haven't been even enjoying the benefits. Cause once you become a native, you're like, I'm not doing the fun stuff every week. So mm-hmm. you can still take a, a quick flight over to uh, LA or New York and, and still enjoy all of the fun stuff when you're not working. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. Like when I got out here, it was like, cool, I'm here. All right, I'll stay in the valley now. Goodbye. Exactly. <laughs> and I, I like the point um, that was brought up where, like, like living in different locations will breed, like, different, will add on to the, the creation of different stories and different perspectives. Like, I mean, uh, as was brought up, like, the they're, like, two Yetis movies that came out like within the same time. And like, I remember when like a bunch of penguin movies were just coming out at the same time. And And remember when all those zoo movies came out. Yeah. All those zoo movies. (laughs) (laughs) Like, all right, we got to get out of this zoo and have an adventure. Wait a minute. Um, And uh, for such a long time, the entertainment industry has uh, treated uh, diversity in a sense that um like okay we're making this uh <clears throat> excuse me we're making this content or this uh show or this film for these specific people like we we had like UPN and then like uh uh BET and uh other networks that are just like all right this is diverse like okay you have your <laughs> you have your, your place of view viewership yeah exactly <laughs> and um and of course, like things are absolutely changing. Um, but my question is, how do you dispel that notion that like di- diverse content is only for diverse audiences? Like, uh, ha- like what, what is, uh, yeah, I mean, that's the question. <laughs> the worst thing that can happen is if uh, folks don't really make it a full effort as far as, uh, and this thing is seen as like the Penguin movies where, you know, oh, we di- we did it, and and now it's done. Let's go back to business as usual. Because, right. You know, as a kid, I had He Man, and He Man wasn't black, but I enjoyed it, and I, you know, I had to find myself in that. You know, in GI Joe, I always pretended Destro was black. I thought he, I swore he was black, <laughs> but you know, you <laughs> find why. Yeah, exactly. You have to find the characters, like, and just like. Say you gotta like uh, attach yourself. Like, all right, yeah, that that character is black. Like in like um, Piccolo, Dragon, yeah, from exactly. Dragon Ball Z. Exactly. Like, Piccolo was black. I'll Piccolo was black. <laughs> <laughs> and the thing about it is, uh, you know, we we just naturally did it. And so if we can find ourselves in a green space alien, uh, <laughs> with you know, then I think you can find those commonalities in characters that don't exactly look like you and it's not too much to ask so mm-hmm. <laughs> you know hopefully black panther things like that showed that you know we're past that <laughs> mm-hmm. right yeah just like you know because it do- where it doesn't become like this uh like this anomaly right because <sighs> Like, I think a lot about uh, Princess and the Frog. So, well, I mean, I don't sit, it doesn't live in my mind root free, but... Um, I, I think I, about I think, Princess and the Frog bed, every second of every single <laughs> god dang day. <laughs> I think about it sometimes, and I'm just like, huh, that was it. That was yeah. the only princess I got. 
and it kind of bums me out because as much as I love that movie, I mean, we all know, like, it's a little annoying she was a frog for 75% of the thing. It wasn't lost in any of us. We're like, oh, mm-hmm. okay. Um, but so we're easy, though. We'll take it. Yeah, we'll take it. But it's like, how about, so may I please have some more? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, please? I, w- I would like to see, uh, I don't know, like, freaking uh lord of the rings stuff with like yes. black people like yes. give me that i want that absolutely <laughs> yeah. with black people but they're not like orcs exactly but you know it, it's easier to uh sell an orc than a black person nowadays so <laughs> you know you'll see you know I, oh i'm watching this i can relate to harry potter and his magic powers but i can't relate to somebody that lives in the same world i live in there's only like two black kids in harry potter aren't there there's like lee jordan and then that one kid (laughs) who doesn't talk a lot (laughs) you know one one thing you brought up uh, brianna is that um i think is important to note in that you know we need to also and i think the world and executives need to know that we're more than just a certain uh narrow genre of stuff that you know interests our culture you know we are you know interested in anime we are interested in sci-fi we're interested in horror we're interested in all these other things and that you know we want to have you know representation in all of that stuff you know and i think all too often too you know when content is curated so this is again a problem that goes from uh, not necessarily from a creation standpoint, from, but from a kind of executive uh, studio and distribution standpoint, is that, you know, they, they question whether or not, you know, uh, A, you know, you create something that says a black sci-fi lead. You know, they're like, well, I don't know if that's going to play well. Or you have a fantasy adventure that has a black lead. I don't know if that's going to work well, right. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, we got to... Uh, get everyone past as like, hey, you know, we like everything. You know, we're participating. Meanwhile, meanwhile, uh, you know, little black kids on my street are Naruto running down the street, (laughs) (laughs) and everybody, you know, and and we're probably one of the largest anime watching communities, but we can count the amount of content tailored to us on that side. And and again, right now we see it as a uh, an advantage. From, for us, because we know that a big supporter of anime is the black community. We know that, you know, uh, when we were working on the Voltron comic, from the jump, because of the type of comic books that we work on, we when we were when we when we were showed some of the show and some of the scripts and such, we were like, oh, this is going to be huge with primarily a female demo, just because this is the you know sort of thing that that has been responding from our content (laughs) so exactly (laughs) so you know we see it as an advantage and hopefully uh with the support of everybody out there we can prove to everybody and say hey you know we were right (laughs) we want to see this stuff and we want to continue to see it and you either have to do it now or you die I mean, it's, it's real in the digital age where linear is dying, you know, you have to uh, realize when people have choice and then they're not uh, a slave to your schedule and to your uh, time slots that you really have to figure it out or die. Is is that is that? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, Um. I guess I'm going to ask uh, on an. I guess international level because I'm I'm thinking about uh what was brought up earlier in the conversation about the notion as well that like oh uh, uh black leads don't do well overseas um and my question is uh how like mm, like is it do you feel like things are changing like uh from your standpoint and um with that notion or has that notion just been uh some lie based off of a statistic it's crazy to me like Mm. what is hip-hop for 2000 alex uh it's one of the biggest things in the world you go to korea 
and all you hear is soul music. Mm -hmm. Music did it, you know. Uh, why can't everything else do it? Fashion, where does where does a lot of fashion trends come from? Right? right. You know, we export our culture constantly without seeing the benefit. I think then when when it may stand to benefit us a little bit, now nah, it won't work, right? Uh, I I don't know about that. I think uh, also if you look at if you go to these places and I don't know many places in the world where, you know, you go to India, the majority of the public is my shade or darker. You go mm -hmm. to Asia and, you know, you go to Cambodia and you see people blue black. Right. And so you can see yourself is these even places that are homogenous from a uh, uh, from a culture and, and race standpoint, there's they're not a monolith. <laughs> And, and 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 it's such a varied view of, of what it is to be a Chinese person, what it is to be an African, and what it is to be even Black, that the fact that we're, we have to have this conversation is weird. Right. And, you know, a lot of where a lot of that comes from and is that, you know, when you go out for uh, international distribution, and you're trying to uh, pre-sell a movie, uh, you know, those distributors that are, you know, picking it up in, in different countries, you know, are buying based on, you know, uh, the cachet of whomever's attached to it. And, and all too often, you know, uh, is that more driven by, you know, white actors than it is by black actors, you know, um, probably, you know, one of the few people like a Will Smith, you know, uh, will <laughs> kind of garner that, but, you know, they kind of downplay a lot of the other actors and it's unfortunate, but it, it's kind of the world we're living in. And, but, you know, to Carl's point, you know, um, it, it is changing. And I think that there is a, there is and has been a kind of a uh, disconnect into uh, what, uh, you know, the Hollywood financing world, you know, uh, kind of thinks, will work versus kind of what reality is uh, a lot of times, you know, and I think that's hopefully uh, that's something that will uh, change soon. I think, you know, the fact that the whole uh, everything that's happened, you know, this year with the Black Lives Matter movement, you know, not only, you know, being uh, something that uh, was key and important in, into America, but it was a something that was key and important globally you know you went to uh japan you saw stuff happening in england you saw stuff happening in germany and france you know with 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 the movement you know coming becoming a global phenomenon um i think that that started to and hopefully gotten people to wake up a little bit more uh to uh some of the issues and plights that are going on but also kind of some of the biases uh that happen in in uh how some of the content and other things uh, get viewed and looked at and uh, uh, handled, you know, across the world. Now, I kind of wanted to ask you guys um, <clears throat> just a quick question about, because we're talking about like all the different types of stories that, you know, we want to see and whatnot. Um, and I'm just wondering, can you speak a little bit on some of the stuff that you have that may have been announced and is okay to talk about like that you guys have in the pipeline sure i mean we have a lot of fun stuff that we're working on i think some of the stuff that we're most excited about uh we have a, a afro futurist fantasy uh princess project that, that sounds we're, we're amazing yeah <laughs> yes and like crazy thrilled about that uh we're working on a number of projects with uh, Imagine Entertainment. Like uh, we have a, a project Chippy Hood with these, I would call it like a younger SpongeBob on crack. <laughs> uh, <laughs> and and then uh, also working with uh, Imagine on this project Bugtron, which is like this Transformers with bugs that takes place in your backyard and down the street and on the hiking trails and the parks that you live on, but is like super action packed, but kind of grounded in this, you know, uh, 
like black protagonist and you know high action high adventure and then we have stuff like uh i wish i could talk about this one project but very soon and and uh maybe one day when we return we can talk about that one but uh there's a project that's rooted in the reconstruction era uh, with a Jack Johnson style boxer that uh, is very sci-fi and we are excited about. I mean, we got a lot oh, of good stuff going on. Yeah. Um, it's like, I want to know more about NDAs. Ah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it makes me come to mind a question. Um, what is the how do i put uh even sorry how do i uh ask how this question words. how to words how to, how to words um my question is about the um the telling stories that are like do you feel that as uh black leads of an animation studio um of course uh, like we uh, your your goal is to tell uh, diverse stories, and um, I guess my question is along the lines of like telling like Do you feel like you have to tell? All right, I'm black. I have to tell black stories, or uh, this is the the focus, or um, uh, like, like are does it you put you in a box? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Kind it of does to buyers sometimes. It does to buyers sometimes, but not to us. If you look at our publishing release, we have the same mantra. mantra we we're all about those perspectives and that's what makes the content special mm-hmm. so uh like a big project we had puerto rico strong uh, mm-hmm. i'm not puerto rican uh dave's not puerto rican but we had some really strong creators that we brought in with that super authentic vision and mm-hmm. it won the eisner so you know we are about finding those uh diamonds out there and 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 making sure that it's amplified i think again i'll i'll say it again it's it's really a, an advantage for us and the more we can find stories that are thrilling and no one knows why it's because it's told from a different angle hmm. uh, so yeah we we feel the pressure from buyers uh which you know it is what it is we live in a uh uh capitalist society but the more that we understand that we're a large part of the uh buying audience and the more we can uh kind of support and cultivate our own content through companies like ours maybe collaborating with other companies doing co-productions co-funding things Mm -hmm. you know raising things independently you know that sort of thing then then it's nobody there to have those expectations but Right. No, I'm, I am curious. Cause, um, I am curious about, because, uh, you guys are getting more and more and more deeper into the animation space. Are you trying to focus just on TV or shorts or maybe do more shorts or even going into big old feature, like kind of, uh, or, or all of the above, like what you new? Know- the harsh reality about shorts is that uh, there's there's not a big market for it, and it's hard to make a return on investment. So while we'll do it, it's it's for you know we want to do it for really for things we find precious and think the world has to see. So with that said, we focus primarily on TV and film, and and also we're we're going to be uh, dabbling more with uh, direct consumer stuff straight through like YouTube and all the other platforms to see uh, where can we kind of control all of the variables. Right. Yeah. Streaming is insane right now. There's so much stuff coming out. Like it almost feels like you can't keep up. Yeah. Like, and, and, and it seems like streaming is where you're getting a lot more of, you know, that black and brown content that just isn't as much on TV. Like what, what was it? Was it uh like, my dad is my dad the bounty hunter going to be on streaming i think it is yes netflix oh, yeah netflix, yeah. yeah like that's yeah. going to be on streaming louder and prouder is going to be on disney mm-hmm. plus like it's there's just so much stuff yeah it's really cool because it's just so it, i mean it, i feel like 
double-edged sword because <laughs> there's so much content that it's like all right now you can like uh you would have the ability to choose like all right exactly what am i mm-hmm. feeling like watching but then at the same time it's like there's so much <laughs> that <laughs> there's so many stories that can be told and it can be overwhelming but uh, i mean uh, ultimately it's amazing uh mm-hmm. that uh these stories can get to uh such a wide range of audiences and even like junior content too like remember when we talked about um uh geez what was it it was everett's show motown magic oh yeah Motown yeah, Magic. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and like how it's just like you know little black kids don't really have that <laughs> right yeah i feel like yeah the last, it was, the last time it was like what little bill or <laughs> i remember I, seeing a I guess and, and with well, the black mean, lead if you can count the backyardigans because yeah i mean yeah, you Uniqua. know by a black woman her name was uniqua uniqua was black mm-hmm. we on. all know <laughs> yep yeah, I was a little black girl. <laughs> but other than that, I'm like, I can't think of anything for little babies. Like, I can't, and that's also a bummer too. Like, and like, based on some of the was practice. a huge Doc McStuffins. Oh yeah, yeah Doc McStuffins. That is right. Doc McStuffins. Of course, of course. And then Yo Gabba yeah. Gabba had uh, Lance Rock, and so I know yes. it's not animated, but that was big in my house as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, can't leave these out. Cannot um but yeah it's like and i i feel like whenever i think about these shows too it's the uh idea of having having people that are telling the stories or leading the stories be of um like understanding that background as well like a lot of the times uh with these shows um you have creators that are white <laughs> who are telling the stories of like uh people of color and uh it's it's one thing because it's like all right like we're getting these stories we're able to see uh ourselves on screen but then at the same time it's like can we be in charge of those stories though <laughs> right. like can we also like actually like bring in the perspective you know and uh, i don't know it, it just reminds me of that and just knowing that uh you guys are uh behind uh line forge and i mean just building it up and um making it so that it is on uh a level of studios uh like the big hitters is really cool and uh so uplifting and encouraging because that means that uh we are really having a chance to see like how how different these perspectives can be um so yeah and even more so to um the fact that like because they're uh in in black and animated like in our in our community there's a lot of like young bucks that are just trying to like get in and then there's a lot of them that are on the east coast or in the midwest and they're nervous about going to la so like i feel that line forge it could like it it means a lot to have a studio that is trying to do its damnedest outside of the atypical like you know LA studio setting because sometimes some people just d- can't make it over there like you like they can't and I and I mean make it in the sense of like you know financial stuff get in the way and yeah, whatnot absolutely. and then How like do you, you start know, as a junior and have to support yourself you have to be five deep in an apartment Mm-hmm. And you know, eating ramen, just yeah. in the industry. Like, yeah, I I got lucky because I was living with three other people in a in a two bedroom apartment, so mm-hmm. <laughs> it was four people. <laughs> in apartment. Like, I could not have come out here alone. <laughs> and knowing that there is a place like you know in like the middle in like my backyard, like. That is something that I would have like if I was in college right now, I would definitely be looking into you guys for work and be like, oh, okay, let me like uh they're they're they're, they're like right there and let me see what's going on over here. But that being said, like how would um because I know that you guys are um like building everything up, but are do you have a way for um folks like recruitment or whatnot? People can reach out to you. You know, well, not like right you now, personally, but I mean like you yeah. know <laughs> right now the best way 
would probably be like uh, through email. We're trying to formalize that a little bit, mm -hmm. uh, but uh, and I'm sure we'll we'll give you like our jobs email. <laughs> but we, we usually post on you know LinkedIn or something when we're hiring and things like that or staffing. But you know it's it's not the uh, the easiest way yet. But we're working on a solution to make it even easier. But by by like never hesitate to reach out to us to someone on the team if you know you know Saxton or you know Lena on the team feel free to reach out to them and say hey look you know this is what I do are you guys hiring and, and we're always looking for folks especially if they happen to have a new voice or happen to have a distinct perspective on something you know that I think that matters a lot more uh sometimes than even experience does although that matters a lot too mm. but <laughs> um i feel like we're kind of going towards uh the end of the podcast and uh maybe final thoughts so i was kind of like leaving breathing room <laughs> for Bree to maybe like ask her final question and that kind of uh, was my final one just because like i know just I've, I've just been thinking about it a lot just because there have been so many young folks that have nervous about making the leap out there or don't or only think about i call them the big five animation studios they only think about those and i'm like you know there's other places you can apply guys don't don't focus on them like like they're great like i work at one of them Ugh, it's a little scary corporation <laughs> owns everything oh my god um <laughs> but <laughs> there's other places line forge is one of them should hit them up <laughs> definitely also if there's you know any ideas you're pitching to to the disney's of the world you know we love them too but uh you know pitch them to lion forge we want to help accelerate and amplify these voices as well so we want to work with everybody who's awesome and make great stuff awesome well um usually at the end of interviews uh Your i favorite ask like, question <laughs> ask my favorite question um so I'm going to ask it, and I think I might ask another one, too. <laughs> um, but what, and I feel like you actually answered this question throughout this entire Right, interview. because they're literally making <laughs> like, Yeah, yeah, it's so weird. Okay, so the, the question I usually ask is, what are the type of stories you wish to see more of in animation? Um, but I feel like you you guys are, are do you, you, I, I mean, I, it, like, you can, I'll let you answer the question, um, but I feel like it's already been answered. I don't know. <laughs> or they're making it right now and they can't talk about it. <laughs> yeah, okay. Actually, you know what? I'm going to switch. Oh, no, no, no. Okay, I'll, I'll switch to a different question then. Yeah. <laughs> no, you, you could have actually started with that and we could have spent the whole, the whole yeah, time on that. Like, yeah. <laughs> we, we only really scratched the surface with the type of stuff we want to see. Oh, totally. I mean, one thing I always say is that, you know, we look at our market uh, especially, I mean, it's changed somewhat over the last five to 10 years, but we're mainly a kids and family market when it comes to animation, mm -hmm. right? You go to other markets like Japan, I mean, you have literally any like anime about anything and everything, you know, and until we kind of uh, get there, I mean, that's where I'd like to see CSGO from a genre standpoint, to be able to tell love stories, be able to tell stories about sports, be able to tell you know, stories, you know, for adults, stories for teenagers, you know, um, you know, really, you know, use the media and, you know, various ways, not just for, you know, kind of one, uh, one particular audience, you know, bend. And so, you know, when we get to that point, I'd be very happy. You know, <laughs> I'm bullish on right now and actively looking for a real horror you know, jump scare style, Blumhouse style, Ooh. horror animated. Uh, additionally, you know, what is, I keep saying this and, and haven't found it yet, but what is the animated Insecure? Ooh, okay. You know, yeah. That's what we want. Yes. Uh, let's not be limited by what we think cartoons are. Ooh, I love that. I love it. I'm so glad <laughs> I asked this question. Um, 
Ooh, and my silent alarm is going off. <laughs> Sorry, I had to turn off the silent alarm. Well, thanks for um, telling us your silent alarm is going off. Yeah, now the, you now know the, <laughs> Now you've broken the fourth wall. All the immersion is gone. Oh, <laughs> uh, man. I love it. I Do you have any uh, any uh, final well, questions? What was your other question? You said you, oh, yeah, you had another one burning in your soul. Let it out. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, my, my, my alarm just like threw me off completely. <laughs> I probably shouldn't even said it. Okay. Um, so my final question is for what kind of pizza do you guys like? Honestly, <laughs> <laughs> pepper, we got pepperoni. What's, uh, what's going on, Carl? You know, I miss like nasty school pizza. Oh, really? I remember it. It may be one of those things like Howard the Duck where you're like, oh, I remember the movie when I saw it when I was a kid and you watch it now and you're like, eh. But you know, I I've been craving it over the last few days. <laughs> oh my god. Just go to like go go to the grocery store and get a tombstone pizza. Heat it up. <laughs> oh, but, but, but don't eat it right away. You gotta leave it uh, out. It's and something then about the square shape. And then uh, reheat it <laughs> and it'll taste old like school pizza. <laughs> oh no. Plasticky cheese. It's something about go. it. <laughs> but my actual question <laughs> My actual question was uh to um to indie artists out there who are uh trying to get their stories told and uh seen like do you have any uh words of encouragement or just like thoughts uh for them who are who are also trying to uh break the break the mold or um like create more stories well one thing i'd say is that we're kind of in an unprecedented time i mean when carl and i you know first got together and uh back in 2002 i mean we only had a limited amount of things that we could actually do with technology i mean fast forward to where we are now i mean uh you could do all kinds of things just just with your uh, home computer with uh very cheap software and things and so you know my my thing would be to you know if you have a story you have an idea execute as much of it as you can you know you might be able to do the full full idea you might be able to uh, do part of it, but, you know, execute on it, you know, and, you know, and try to and try to get it seen. You know, I think that that's the uh, most important thing. I mean, we've seen some pretty cool, uh, just online, seen some uh, people doing, you know, animated trailers for ideas and things that they had that, you know, got us to want to contact them. <laughs> you know and and get interested in it and stuff so i mean it it just takes a little bit it takes you know your time and your passion uh nowadays to do that and, and also figure out um whom can you partner with as well in that because i mean there's a uh there's a ton of talent out there that's willing to uh work and collaborate you know and see what you guys can do together uh to uh you know get an idea out there as well um let's say you know the opportunity is great nowadays uh to do that and you know uh would love to see you know what people come up with absolutely you know building off of uh dave's like he's 100 percent right and i don't think there's a better answer you can the one thing to keep in mind though is that you have to finish and finish now and put it out and it will be terrible and the next one will be better but you're you're seeing your your uh, faults and improving and building an audience you know nowadays uh, i'm monitoring my children's social media because i don't want them to post something that will go viral so i'm trying to prevent them from going viral by posting the wrong thing so nowadays that opportunity is insane so uh, being able to get out there and do your own thing i think is scaring the titans right now the giants when a uh, a seven-year-old kid can play with toys online and and change the world and become this huge brand himself. So what's stopping you, you know? 
I forgot that children can have, I forgot that kids have YouTubes now and like play with toys and people like base their purchases off of it. <laughs> yeah, that weirds me out actually. <laughs> Honestly. I completely forgot because an old coworker, her son would watch like Lego stuff online and then be like, yeah, like, well, little Jimmy on I, I rate Legos, uh, dot com says these Legos are bad. <laughs> I completely forgot. Oh man, this digital age is weird. I don't like kids having YouTube's. <laughs> uh, but really excellent advice. Um, yeah. Uh, thank you so much for being on the podcast, you guys. Yeah, thank y'all so much. We we ourselves have learned a lot more about you guys, and I hope that our view our viewers, <laughs> our listeners have uh, learned a lot as well and we'll be uh keeping an eye out for everything that lion forge does in the future and hey maybe some of our listeners will end up working directly for you guys one of these days that'd be great thanks for having us yay thank you everyone thanks for listening to the podcast as always, be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Black and Animated. And listen for more episodes on blackandanimated.podbean.com and on Spotify, Google Podcasts, or Apple Podcasts. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are the respective individual and do not reflect the views of our employers. Thanks, guys. Until next time. This episode was edited by Tyler Schlossman with music by Ergo Funk.